welcome back to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. Um, my apologies. I know I was uh, planning to record um, last night and had some things come up, so had to push that back to tonight. But um, welcome. Um, hey, it's a great time to be a Knowles fan. Do you guys hear that? That is FSU, one win away from becoming bowl eligible. And they will have the opportunity to do that by beating the rival Florida Gators. Not only that, uh, with a win, they would win the uh, State of Florida Championship, or however you want to phrase it. And, um, man, I I remember potting after the uh, Jacksonville State game, and I was thinking, like, man, I started the podcast at, like, the absolute worst time ever. <laughs> like, I remember I didn't even want, I was like, I don't even want to do this anymore. And here we are, you know, a few weeks later, you know, it's almost like the entire universe has shifted. You know, FSU is climbing and, um, man, it's, it's amazing to see what this team has accomplished. But I got a real chance to, um, to win, uh, on Saturday, I believe, um, odds were released, um, yesterday, and um, it looks like FSU is, um, you know, a slight underdog, which they have been the last um, two games uh, against Miami and Boston College, which I predicted them to win outright. So 2-0 um, with FSU as an outright, outright underdog. Um, you make sure you can head over to our, our sponsor at Bet Online, uh, the number one spot for all sports action this Thanksgiving. So, um Hey, might be another opportunity to win some money. Um, you head on over to uh, the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. That's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Um, go on over there and, and, and support us and, and sign up. And uh, I think um, the last I looked was FSU outright was plus 110. So if, if you bet uh, $100, then you would win 110. Um, so definitely, definitely something worth considering. But before, before, um, I, I mainly want to talk about, I, I've been going back and forth with a lot of you, um, talking about, uh, the defense with Adam Fuller and, um, I want to spend some time on that. Um, but I want to talk about the Boston college game for a little bit And you know, I, I have been saying this since forever. It feels like, you know, earlier in the year, you know, you could see, you could see the defense. You know, even in the Notre Dame game, you know, players, you know, players were in position. Um, you know, they just weren't making plays. You know, they were losing the one-on-one, fifty-fifty balls. You know, you had guys missing a lot of tackles in open space, and of course, the offense was turning the ball over left and right. I think uh, I wrote about it. It was eleven turnovers in the first five games, and I think FSU only has 17 or 18 turnovers now, you know, uh, they just played another game where they didn't turn the ball over against Boston college, which actually wound up being huge because if they had turned the ball over, there's a good chance they lost, they would, they would lose that game, especially there at the end. But, you know, the defense has, I've seen improvement from the defense, you know, I started with a Notre Dame game. Like I said, uh, they win that game if, you know, we don't throw three interceptions and give Notre Dame short fields. Um, you know, I don't care how good your defense is, especially if you're a young defense with a lot of new players. It's it's hard to 
to execute, you know, everything the way you should earlier in the season. And you've seen that as the as the season has gone on, you know, Adam Fuller has has kind of, you know, found a set a set group of guys, you know, and he and, and the coaches have been telling you these guys are Mike Norvell, these guys are some of the most I mean, they tell you pretty much, you know, I mean, they do some coach speak, but they tell you pretty much, you know, what's going on, um, you know, and you heard him saying early in the year how they were still, you know, trying to find out the right combination of guys, you know, and it started with Travis Jay at the corner and, you know, and he just wasn't making plays, you know, then of course he got hurt and I think uh, Akeem Dent got hurt and so they had to put some new guys in there. Uh, you know, they had uh, Jamie Robinson playing multiple positions, you know, and, and of course, man, if you're playing multiple positions and you're trying to you, you're supposed to learn, you're trying to learn where you're supposed to be in, um, you know, in every call. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to, to know every every call and to be in the right place at the right time and make plays. So but you've seen um, every week, you know, they, they've they've improved. Um, they've kind of settled in to um, a set rotation in, on the back end. The defensive line has been a strength the whole year. But that back end, you, you've seen the emergence of Kalen DeLoach. You know, he's he's going to be a player. I mean, he's already a player. I mean, that, that tackle he made for the safety the other day. I mean, when's the last time you've, you've seen a linebacker just identify a screen and just fly to the ball like a bullet and then, you know, just put a guy down like that? I mean, that was, whew, man, we hadn't seen that in a long time. But um, but I think you know what what you've seen is you know Adam Fuller kind of um, you know get a, get a set rotation of guys and you know those guys understand what he's asking and um, those guys have been playing lights out. I mean, you talk about physical. When's the last time you've seen a, a FSU defense just just maul a quarterback like they did Phil Jerkovich? Which I told you guys. I, I know some guys wanted to say he was the best quarterback we had faced, but, you know, I, I, I try to tell you guys Boston College have been overrated all year. I said it before the preseason. You know, they were number one on my most overrated list, along with Miami and UNC. And FSU won all three games. And even in my bold predictions take uh, before the season, I, I wrote that FSU would beat um, either Miami or UNC. Actually, they might have beaten both of them, so – you know, just a little pat on the back to myself, but, <laughs> but, you know, um, th- those guys, those guys are, man, they're playing for one another. Um, you know, the, I mean, it's, it's amazing to see, you know, the transformation from this defense, um, and how they, how they respond to adversity. You know, I tweeted about it the other day. One, one thing uh, we used to see a lot of times was whenever the offense would turn the ball over or, or something bad would happen, it almost automatically turned into a touchdown. I'm I'm talking about like the first play, uh, you know, from the opposing offense after a turnover happened would be like a touchdown. And um, I think um, prior to the last game or so, FSU has had only allowed one touchdown off a turnover, and then they held then they held um, the other the other four or maybe it was five turnovers. They 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 held the, the opposing offense to a field goal, you know, so that sudden change defense, you know, you, you, you kind of see the improvement of that, you know, just, just a strong mentality um, and playing for one another, another and, and being physical, 
you know, we haven't we haven't seen that in forever. So I know I know a lot of people wanted to, you know, wanted to fire Adam Fuller. And I kept saying, you know, I'm I'm seeing improvements even when they were losing. I was like the only person out there riding like. You know, it wasn't a popular take, but I'm, you know, everybody's results oriented. But, you know, whenever whenever you're you're looking at big picture things, you, you have to look at the process, you know. And, you know, you heard it from Jimbo Fisher, you hear it from Nick Saban all the time. You know, usually if you're process oriented and you're doing doing things the right way, then the results will come. And you, you've kind of seen that, um, you know, um, I was talking to um, some people on Twitter yesterday and, um, you know, uh, they were talking about, you know, they wish they thought that Adam Fuller should have made changes quicker and, you know, he should have done this and, or he should have done that. But what you guys have to understand is. You know, Adam Fuller went through the offseason, went through fall camp, you know, and, and, you know, they're still learning what these guys can do because, you know, they didn't have them, you know, they didn't have them last year with COVID. Um, you know, the guys are developing, you know, their skills are changing. And so, you know, his job as a coordinator is to find the right combination of guys out there. So, you know, they felt like they had done that for, for the Notre Dame game. And again, you know, players were in position, you know, they just weren't making plays. So you got a decision. Do I keep sending the guy out there that's not making plays, um, you know, for that to continue, um, you know, although he's in position or do I take him out? You know, if I take him out after like a game or two, then he's going to lose all confidence in himself and me as a defensive coordinator. Um, and then the other dilemma is if you're going to take him out, who are you going to replace him with? You know, true freshman who, you know, are, are still learning, learning the, the defense and the calls and, you know, they're true freshmen. So, you know, so that's probably why you didn't see Adam Fuller just run to you know, just make wholesale changes. You know, they were trying to use you know pieces that they had that, that had some experience, but you saw um, as in credit to Adam Fuller, you saw that as the season progressed, you know, you saw, you know, Kevin Knowles, you know, you know, you saw him getting more snaps um, you know, we saw, you know, Jerry and Jones begin to lose snaps to a uh, Marion Cooper, um, all the way back into the Syracuse game. You know, that's kind of the first game that I remember, um, a Marion Cooper. And I remember that one long play that the quarterback from Cuse had and everybody was like, who is number 37? You know, he, he looks super slow on that play. You know, he can't play DB and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, Jen, a few games later, you know, he's intercepting the pass against Clemson, you know. And then, you know, another another couple games later, he's intercepting the pass against Miami and having a hell of a game in his in his first start. So as a defensive coordinator, you know, those you, you have to kind of have to arrive with what you have while the younger players continue to practice and develop um, because you don't want to stick them out there. It's kind of like a quarterback. You don't want to stick them out there and for them to, you know, not play well and for them for them to lose um you know any confidence that they may have early on either you know so it's so it, it's not as simple as just oh take him out and put somebody else in there it's not, it, you know it's not it doesn't work that way you have to you have to you have to kind of you know work with what you have try to keep try to keep developing those guys explain to them what they're doing wrong you know work that technique and um and hopefully, hopefully, you know, they'll they'll begin to making those plays in the game. And and if they do, you know, like you see with Akeem Dent now, you know, he's 
you know, he had a good game against Miami. You know, he had a good game against, you know, Boston College and, and just won, uh, I think it was defensive back uh, of the week in the ACC. You know, so, you know, it's a gradual process. But at the same time, you have seen, you know, Amari and Cooper develop. You've seen Kevin Knowles develop. Um, and so those guys look like they're going to be a great, a great um, couple of pieces for Adam Fuller uh, moving forward. Um, not even mentioning, um, you know, the other players that are still developing, um, like Hunter Washington and Demory uh, Tate, Tate, and of course Travis Hunter and, and Sam McCall. Hopefully that'll be coming in 2022. You know, so it's it's a balancing act, but. As a defensive coordinator, you know, his job is to coordinate the defense. You want those guys to work in, you know, together. And so, you know, you saw it today with um, with Jamie Robinson and uh, Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas. If you go on Twitter and you search any of those guys' names, if you happen to miss it, you saw that um, Jamie Robinson thanked Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson for making his job easier because they're getting a crazy amount of pressure on the quarterback. And then in return, uh, you know, Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas understand that some of their sacks have come from great coverage from, you know, the secondary, um, you know, like Jamie Robinson, you know, so you got guys out there playing for one another, man. Um, And I saw where Jamie Robinson confirmed that uh, the players Wanted um, Adam Fuller to break the rock after the Boston College game. I mean, so you got players that are believing in the coach, you know, the coach, because you you see, you know, everything that he's saying come to fruition. You see the progress. And so once a player, once a coach begins to have that with the players, then, you know, you can really start building something. And something I saw on Twitter earlier tonight um, that really impressed me. And I was like, wow, when that starts happening, then you know, special things are happening. So Jaleel McCray, who's a linebacker who, you know, for whatever reason, you know, he never really gets to play. I saw where, um, uh, the Miami, um, high school linebacker, uh, Wesley Besaint, you know, he announced that he was going to make a decision, I guess on December 4th and Jaleel McCray quote tweeted him and basically, basically was telling him, you know, come to FSU, um, you know, competition breeds success. Um, I'm paraphrasing here. Um, you know, this this is the place where you can play and get better. So here you have a guy who never gets to play, recruiting a guy at his position to come to FSU to, to get better. Hey, man, that said a lot to me. I was like, man, you know, coaches can recruit. And other recruits can recruit, but some of your best recruiters are the players on the team. If a um, if a group of recruits come in and they can see that the players um, like playing for the coaches, they you know they play hard for the coaches, they vouch for, vouch for the coaches. I mean that's man that's um, you know that that says a lot about that place and the culture of that place. So you know it looks like looks like things are heading heading in the right direction um, as far as that goes, but. Um, man, what a game with Boston College. I mean, the way they came out there and just just rocked that offensive line. You know, I had said before the game, Boston College hadn't played anybody. They hadn't played anybody with a good defensive line, and that was evident, you know, in the first couple plays. You know, and they just they just put their socks up those guys. And it was unfortunate that uh, the referees inserted themselves into that game early on and, and kept it close. I mean, that should have been, like I said, 
I, I tweeted it. I said, I think it was sometime in the third quarter. And I said, this game should be like 35 to nothing right now. And um, I think at the time it was like a 10-point game, 26-16. But, um, you know, it was great to see that those guys were able to come those issues and um, and get the, get the win. I mean, I remember looking at it and I was like, man, you know, are, are they going to be able to get a stop, you know, when they need to? And uh, I remember saying to myself, it was third down, and I was like, man, these guys – they got to know they got to get home right here and make a play um, or otherwise they're going to lose this game. And sure enough, man, they hiked that ball. The defensive line just got upfield, man, and you saw the pressure come and you saw uh, Jerkovic have to just throw the ball up. And you saw, uh, you know, a couple of FSU defenders there and you saw them come down with the ball. And you were like, that's how you close a game, baby. You know, so good, good for them to um, to be able to do that. But um, you know, I want to go. I want to. I'm looking through Twitter here. I have like a thousand notifications, and also shout out to all of you guys on Twitter um, for following the uh, Built for Playmakers uh, page. Um, you know, going to try to be a little more active there. Um, you know, just giving thoughts on different things. But I think we picked up, man, probably over a hundred followers in the last few days. So. Um, so really appreciate that. Um, let me see if I can find a couple of these tweets where we were talking back and forth as far as the defense goes. Mm, let's see here. While I'm looking for that, how about Miami and Florida? You know, basically, probably. Well, it looks like many, many might might stay i hope he does um that, that could be a good thing for fsu and um you know who knows who knows what florida will do they haven't proven that they that they can make a good hire they um you know they've had what one two three like four or five new head coaches in the last 10 years which which is kind of crazy and they have yet to you know, amount to anything. You know, I mean, they they had one of their best years. You know, uh, the other year with they were eight and four, and um, had a Heisman contender and still lost four games. I mean, man, that's um, that's crazy when you really think about it. Um, but FSU has a prime a prime opportunity to to take over, man. Right now, uh, it's kind of the same deal that Jimbo Fisher had in two thousand and ten. Um, you know, um, Miami had just had a coaching change and Florida, Florida changed coaches, um, after Jimbo's first year's head coach at FSU. And then you saw FSU kind of just ascend to the top and just take whoever they wanted, you know, from the state of Florida. And, you know, I've written about this too. You've seen Mike Novell and the coaching staff, you know, begin to kind of tighten that circle uh, that recruiting circle around the state of Florida and Georgia, you don't see as many offers going to out-of-state kids. Uh, the last time I looked um, for the class of 2023, um, about 47% of the offers had, had gone to um, guys that are located either in the state of Florida or Georgia. You know, and that's been FSU's bread and butter um, for the longest. And so, you know, if they can, if they can beat Florida this weekend, they don't have to win, I don't believe. Um, you know, as long as they don't get blown out, which I don't think is going to happen. You know, they can go into the off season 
and, um, you know, close 2022 strong and say, hey, look, you know, we finished, the, you know, we finished the um, you know, 2021 season. Um, you know, we won whatever it is, uh, you know, four out of the last five or whatever it is. You know, um, I mean, we had a strong recruiting class here. If we you know, have a strong recruiting class in, in 2023, then, you know, it's onward and upward from there. Um, so they're in a great position to um, to um, to make a, a run here. Um, let's see. I think I have found found one of my questions here. I see um, uh, my man um, Matt um, Birdie Birdies and Brew. He said, um, "Lack of adjustments are what's concerning to me. I understand the secondary isn't." anywhere up to the standard, but we have to start adjusting when teams start pouring on the points to at least stop the bleeding. And I think Matt may have been referring to Boston College scoring um, touchdowns on three consecutive drives, um, you know, in the Boston College game. Now, the first drive that Boston College scored on, basically the kickoff was terrible, um, you know, and then they had a, a long run back. And so I think they started that that drive on like FSU's side of the field on like the 40 or 45. Um, so they already had a short field uh, to begin with. So you kind of say, okay, well, you, you just chalk that one up to just poor special teams. And then the other two drives, though, man, I can count numerous times where FSU got, had gotten a stop on third down and, and the referees just called a bogus, you know, pass interference call or hands to the face. You know, just just BS stuff where they had gotten off the field multiple times. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the pass interference calls was like, I mean, it was on like BC's like ten or fifteen yard line, and FSU would have gotten the ball back near midfield. You know, they go and score. The you know, game's probably over. But of course, you know, they um, just keep extending uh, Boston College's drives. So it wasn't so much that you know Boston College was was doing anything really i mean jerkovich had a couple of runs um where he converted third and longs and you you know you kind of hate to see that and i had someone ask me why didn't they just put a spy on jerkovich you know so but it kind of goes back to like the um the game against sam Howell and unc you, you kind of have to pick your poison you say okay well do we want to allow jerkovich to you know to run for 10 or 10 or 12 yards possibly uh, because there was a couple holds that didn't get called that and that's the only reason he was able to get those yards for the most part or you know do we want to allow him to stay in the pocket until somebody gets open and then he hits hits us with an explosive play right so you want to take your chances on that and say okay well what's the chances of him gaining 15 yards on the ground if nobody gets held you know and things like that you know probably probably i mean he he's a good athlete but you want you know you kind of take your chances there and you probably don't spy because you only have one linebacker and Kalen Deloach who can actually cover, you know, so you don't want to spy with him um, and then put, you know, DJ Lundy in coverage or Amari, Amari Gaynor or anything like that. Uh, Cause you kind of saw what happened whenever um, they got, um, uh, was his, uh, Zay uh, Jones, I think was his name. You saw what happened when he got in space. You know he he left a lot of ankles and, and kneecaps out there on on that turf. Um, you know, so you kind of need the loach to cover in space. You know, when possible, um, and you just hope that your your front four gets home like they have been doing. 
Um, so, you know, the, what they've been doing is um, Adam Fuller has been depending on the defensive line to get pressure, um, expecting them to win without having to blitz a whole lot. And then that helps the secondary, um, you know, um, where they don't have to cover as long. Um, and then they can make plays. And I'm seeing some people kind of criticizing, you know, or not wanting to give credit to Adam Fuller, you know, basically saying, oh, well, the only reason the defense is good is because they have Keir Thomas and Jermaine Johnson on the ends. And I'm like, that's that's crazy. That's crazy talk. That's like saying the 2013 defense was only good because they had all four and five stars out there. <laughs> I mean, I think the beauty of it is Adam Fuller has recognized, hey, I have two really good players here um, on the defensive line. You know, I have a, a, a very good player in Fabian Lovett, a good player in Robert Cooper. As a coordinator, you have to understand what their strengths and weaknesses are. So he's identified, oh, my defensive line is the best part of my unit. Okay. I need to allow I need to allow them to do what they do because if that happens, that is going to be the best case scenario for my back seven as far as coverage goes. If if they don't have to cover forever, and that goes for any defense, if I don't have to cover forever, then that's going to hide any, you know, not any, but most of the deficiencies you may have in the secondary until those guys, you know, kind of understand exactly what they need to do as far as, you know, pattern matching, uh, switching from man to zone, you know, all all of those things. Uh, so, so any good defensive coordinator is going to take, you know, and, and identify his best players and try to put them in the best position to make a play. I mean, that's what, that's what a good defensive coordinator should do. He shouldn't be penalized for having two good players at the defensive end position. You know, so I never, I never understood, you know, that, that line of thinking um, for the most part. Um, you know, what, what I am, um, and I had uh, my man, let's see, Kraken uh, Calamari. Um, he said, um, um, the kids look confused earlier in the year. If you were teaching it too complicated, that's on coaching. If those kids just can't play, then that's also on coaching because you need to get him out of the game. Uh, the play of this D, good and bad, is on him, meaning Adam Fuller. He's paid six figures. Um, and like I said, I don't think the kids were really confused. I think, I think it was more so, you know, they were still learning. Like I said, you have – players playing multiple positions um so that you know if anything that was confusing to them and um you know he he tried to keep it as simple as possible you know they play a lot of man um you know because their their zone defense just isn't there yet and um you know and he says um if those kids just can't play that's on coaching because you need to get them out of the game and that kind of goes back to what i was talking about earlier you can't just take a guy out of the game if you don't have somebody better to put in or just as good to put in there, you know, and that wasn't the case earlier, um, you know, because if you had somebody that was better then he probably would be starting anyway, which is kind of what you're saying with the Marion Cooper. Now, you know, he is an upgrade over Jerry and Jones. So he is getting, you know, the majority of those snaps now. Um, so, so, you know, you know, Adam Fuller's doing a good job, man. You know, is he is he an elite defense coordinator? Um, you know, I had this conversation with with someone last week. You know, they were talking about Jeremy Pruitt, and I was saying I didn't know if Jeremy Pruitt was 
an elite defensive coordinator because the talent that he had at FSU in 2013, hell, I think I could have went out there and, you know, they would have been elite. Um, you know, but even then we saw um, Pruitt, you know, have to figure out the right combination um, before, you know, those guys became an elite unit. You remember Boston College was running up and down the field on them. Um, and it wasn't until he moved Christian Jones, um, you know, to um, that position that that defense really began to take off. And that was like game four or five, you know, and you're talking about guys that had been playing together for, I mean, that defense was elite the year before that um, in 2012. Um, so, you know, so even then you saw a coordinator come in and, and still have to, you know, you know, find the right combination of guys so that, um, you know, they could excel. And, you know, we've seen that with um, with Adam Fuller. Um, what I am curious to see is what, you know, what he is, um, what the defense is going to look like um, next year. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, the defense could take a step back and it could um, because, you know, they're going to lose Jermaine Johnson. They're going to lose Keir Thomas, you know. And But what I say to that is, well, if you don't have the players, it doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator, coordinator is. Um, you know, there's only so much you can do as a coordinator if you don't have the horses out there to, to make the plays, you know. So um, hopefully, you know, they'll be able to address, um, you know, some positions in the uh, transfer portal and um, especially the defensive end. Um, I have seen a few things that I like. Um, you know, we've seen Derek McClendon, uh, McClendon flash a couple of times. Um, we've seen Quayshawn Fuller, you know, a couple of times. Um, you know, they'll have Dennis Briggs back at tackle, defensive tackle, um, you know, or he could or he could possibly play defensive end. You know, he came in as a defensive end, you know, so they'll have some pieces, um, you know, they'll have a better understanding of those players that have a better understanding of what Fuller's expectations are. Um, you know, if they can land somebody like Marvin Jones Jr., he would be, you know, a, a guy you can put out there as a freshman. He's physically ready to play college ball. Uh, he's still a freshman, but you know, athletically, you know, he could probably make some plays, um, you know, so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how, how that shakes out. But um, I think it's safe to say that Fuller will be back next year. And I think you, you've seen a lot of fans kind of turn the corner on him uh, as of late, like, man, like, okay, I kind of see, I kind of see, you know, he, he knows what he's doing, you know, it just, you know, he's got to get the players to, to understand everything. And those players have to, to continue to develop and, and things like that. Um, you know, so, um, so props to Adam Fuller. Um, like I said, I feel like the de- I feel like the defense has played well enough that FSU would, could have won. They could have seven wins right now. Um, you know, if they don't turn the ball over three times against Notre Dame, it's possible they win that game. Jacksonville State, yes, we've talked about it before. You know, Fuller made a, a, a crazy call there at the end. But I also feel like it was criminal that they only scored 17 points against Jacksonville State. So they should have won that game. And then, you know, they played well enough to beat Clemson. They played well enough to beat NC State. Um you know, uh, and I have been saying it all year, man, once the offense shows a pulse, um, you know, you're going to see the defense respond because they feel like they have a real chance to win because the offense can score points. And you're, you're seeing that right now um, with those guys playing a great uh, complimentary football. 
Um, and it's a, it's a great thing to see. I mean, to go out there and watch a game and know like, hey, we got a shot to win today. Even as a fan, you're like, we got a shot to win today. Even though we're underdogs, we have a shot to win today. <clears throat> you know, so, you know, good good stuff, man. Um, I want to touch on um, a couple things with uh, the offense. Um, I have been, you know, critical of Jordan Travis, you know, in the past. Um, I have to I have to give props where they're due. Um, Jordan Travis has looked um, improved as a passer um, the last couple games. Now, now you know me. I'm the context man. Um, I don't just say stuff just to say it. Um, he has looked improved as a passer. Um, he looks he looks to have better pocket presence. Like the first touchdown to uh, to Pokey uh, against Boston College, you saw him. You know he didn't really get happy feet. You know he just evaded the defender. And uh, created some space, and you know, hit hit Pokey, and then Pokey, you know, did the rest. But um, you know, you know, Travis looks more decisive back there. Um, he had a couple throws that were, you know, they they were kind of behind the receiver. You know, you you could say the receiver should have caught them, but they weren't on the money either as passes. Um, but you know, he's making good decisions, taking care of the ball. You know. He's not not turning the ball over. Um, he's making uh, smart decisions when he runs. Uh, they're, they're, I still feel like he's struggling to decide when he needs to be a passer and when he needs to, to run. You know, I, I noted the other day uh, against Boston College, you know, he was kind of rolling out. And I was like, bro, there's like 20 yards, 15, 20 yards is open field. Yes, there's a receiver over there, but you could run over there and get those yards instead of risking a pass or risking a drop or, or whatever, you know? So I still think in his head, it's almost like, he's like, I want to prove I'm a passer. So now I'm going to keep my field and which is, you know, which is good, but you kind of have to have some discernment of like, okay, I need to take off now and get these yards because as an offense, we're struggling right now and we need you know, we, we need positive, you know, yardage um, and things like that. But, you know, going back to context, we also have to remember that um, Miami's defense is not good. It's not good, y'all. I told you, you know, how they give up explosive plays in the run game. They give a, give up explosive plays in the pass game. You know, Boston College's defense, you know, they have zero pass rush. Um, you know, so – and they were missing some starters on their defense. They were missing like at least two, maybe three starters on their defense. Um, you know, so not not trying to take away from what Jordan Travis has done. Like I said, he looks improved as a passer. Um, but those two defenses were not were not good defenses either. Um, but, you know, I always kind of go back to this. You know, if you're playing, you know, it's kind of like when I was playing baseball. If you're playing, a, a, if I'm hitting against a guy that's not a very good pitcher, you know, I, sh I should go three for four. You know, I should go, you know, two for three or whatever. Um, whenever you're playing good, you know, bad competition, you should dominate them, you know. And so, uh, Jordan Travis is playing, he's been playing at a high level against um, some average to bad defenses, uh, but that's progress from what we've seen from him in the past. Um, I still believe FSU needs to go to the transfer portal to get a quarterback because I'm still nervous as far as, you know, depending on Travis to be healthy for an entire year. Uh, he has made better decisions as far as, you know, knowing when to slide and when to run and all that good stuff. But that is still a huge, huge risk um, 
were dependent on him to be healthy for an entire year while going into the season with Tate Rotemaker and Geno English and, you know, presumably AJ Duffy, you know, if and when he signs with FSU. That's like zero experience behind him. So, if, you know, if you don't sign anyone with experience from the transfer portal, you are you are risking it all pretty much that he's going to, you know, be healthy in the entire year. And we have seen that that is, you know, that has not been the case over the past couple of years. So I still believe, you know, um, they need somebody from the transfer portal. He needs somebody to push him. You know, Mackenzie Milton pushed him to be better this year. Competition breeds success. Um, so hopefully, you know, they can identify somebody that, you know, that they that they like, that they believe can push him or, or possibly beat him out for the job. You know, because um, you're doing that at every position. Um, you know, you're recruiting guys, you know, hoping that they can come in and supplant the guy that's in front of him. Because if you do, then if he does, then you're going to be a better team overall. Um, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're here to win games, you know, not be friends. So, um, but at the same time, Jordan Travis has to understand that from a team's perspective, it is the smart thing to do. You know, don't, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal that they go out there and, and, and try to get a, a quarterback from the portal <clears throat> because, you know, when you have that conversation, you know, Jordan, you, you, you know, you have not remained healthy, you know, the last two years. And so if, if you were to go out there and get hurt, you know, this would, this is what would happen, you know? And so for the betterment of the team of the program, you know, this is what we need to do. And, I mean, you know, that's just the conversation you can have. And hopefully, you know, he would understand that if they decide to do that. And, um, you know, you kind of go from there. <clears throat> but, you know, um, I, I thought that they got away from their running game a little bit, a little bit against, against Boston College. But at the same time, when I started thinking about it, I was like, they, they do need to begin, you know, putting some footage together in the passing game um, because you need, you need um, some, some, some high quality wide receivers to, to come to FSU and what guys would want to do that if you're only throwing the ball, you know, 12 to 15 times per game. And so you got your Kevin Coleman's out there. Um, you know, I think there are, I think two, four, seven was reporting that, um, FSU was, um, talking to, um, Oregon, uh, wide receiver transfer, um, um, the, um, the Pittman guy, Micah Pittman, I think it is, you know, if they if they're looking at FSU games and they're only throwing the ball twelve to fifteen times, and, and they say, "Oh man, I'm only getting one or two targets per game," why would I want to go there? You know, whereas you saw um, FSU throw the ball thirty, it, it had thirty four, but it's really like thirty one because two or three of those plays were just Jordan throwing the ball out of bounds at the end of the half or at the end of the game. But you see FSU throwing the ball, you know, thirty times per game. You see multiple receivers. You know, getting explosive plays. You know, you saw that with um Ja'Kai Douglas with an explosive play. You saw uh, Cameron McDonald with an explosive play. You saw Ontario uh, Wilson with an explosive play. Um, and then when you look at um the main competition for Kevin Coleman, and you say Oregon, Oregon doesn't really throw the ball that much more than FSU. Their two leading receivers have twenty five and twenty eight receptions. They only have four touchdowns combined between those two um, receivers. And Ontario Wilson has four touchdowns himself. You know, so if you can say, look, we, we, we're throwing the ball, um, you know, and we're closer to home. Um, you know, uh, Florida's closer to Missouri than Oregon is. Um, and Oregon, you know, they might 
lose their head coach. Um, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but you know, that's something, that's a bug you can put in Kevin Coleman's ear. And so, um, that's another positive that of, of seeing Jordan Travis develop as a passer because now you can kind of put look at look at the film and say, oh, we can throw the ball, we can run the ball. We're not just a running team now. You know, you kind of have that proof of concept, proof of concept. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, hopefully they can they can uh, you know land a Kevin Coleman. Hopefully, Destin Hill gets in um, by, by all reports. You know, it sounds like he's supposed to make it on campus in the spring. Um, you got uh, Devon Mortimer, who I really like. That guy, whew, man, that guy's a sleeper. Um, you know, those kids from South Florida, you know, they usually they usually produce. You know, so if you can get him, I mean, that's whew, man. You're talking. You see Malik McLean, you know, beginning to develop. Man, the future's bright. The future's bright. Um, you know, as far as the offense goes. So, um, great time to be a Seminole fan. Um, you know, um, interested to see how they perform. I think they're going to perform well against Florida. Um, and I, and, and normally I don't do, um, preview podcasts, but I may, I may for this one, um, if I get an opportunity, um, of course, you know, I write about all, all those things on chopchat.com. Uh, um, <clears throat> you know, so you can go there and read about things if I don't get an opportunity to do a podcast, but, um, we break down the games, uh, as far as their strengths and weaknesses and, and the keys to victory for FSU. And, you know, we'll, we'll continue to do those things. But if I get a chance, I will, uh, I may do a quick, um, preview, um, for, for the Florida game. But hopefully FSU will, will be able to perform well, get the dub and then go bowling. Um, because that, that would be the most optimal. I mean, that's, you talking about a storybook. I mean, you could write, you could write a book on that. Start 0 and 4. You know, beat beat both of your rivals when they've been clowning you the whole year about a loss to an FCS school, and then possibly go on and win a bowl game. Man, you know. So, uh, you know, winning against Florida. I mean, I think you can kind of already, you know, all the haters and all the the little pocket of Willie Taggart fans. You know, you know, they're pretty much you know have to shut up now because uh, he's done something that. Novell's done something that Tiger never did, but uh, and everything looks like it's going in the right direction. But if he goes out there and beats Florida, I mean, I don't think you can really, really you know, doubt um, that this this program is um, has a capability of going to the next level with Mike Novell and the uh, and the co- coaching staff. Um, you know, guys are being developed. Um, look at Jordan Travis. You know, look at look at Kalen DeLoach. Um, look at on the defensive line with Malcolm Ray and Jarrett Jackson. Nobody thought Malcolm Ray or Jarrett Jarrett Jackson would be, would really be contributors. You know, they hadn't really done anything since they'd been at FSU, you know, but that hadn't been the case. Um, you know, so, um, you're seeing guys get developed. You're seeing guys play early. You saw Sidney Williams before he got hurt at, at the safety position, position playing, you see Kevin Knowles playing as a freshman. You see Amorian Cooper playing as a freshman. You know, so um, you know, you know, everything is heading in the right direction. You know, they just got to finish out the season strong, um, and then we'll see um, what happens with the recruiting uh, next month. I would pay attention to um, 
I think they're trying to plan one uh, big recruiting weekend in early December. Um, it could be December 4th. I think that's when the Georgia commit Tyree West is scheduled to have his official visit. So I would imagine they probably want to try to have everybody kind of come in along with him that they're targeting. Um, so if Kevin, Kevin Coleman makes that trip, that's a good sign. If he doesn't, that's not a good sign. You know, so follow the visits um, for that recruiting weekend. And um, we'll see where FSU ends up. But um, I appreciate you guys um, supporting me. Um, you know, it's been fun talking to you guys back and forth on Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow the um, the Twitter account, uh, Built for Playmakers. Um, you can follow me at KH Chop Chat. And then, of course, we have um, at Chop Chat underscore. Um, all three accounts, I'm you know, pretty active and always looking forward to talking football um, or talking smack to our rivals. You know, um, I love that. I love trolling those guys. Um, it's a lot of fun. So, um, again, if you have a chance to um, subscribe, uh, make sure you do that. Uh, turn your notifications on. Um, I am going to try to do more. I do one a week right now, but I am going to try to do more podcasts uh, whenever time presents itself. Um, I'll be getting off of work here in the next couple of weeks for a few weeks um, for uh, the holidays. So looking forward to that. And so probably we'll be on here a bit more. Um but yeah, um, if you have an opportunity, um, make sure you go and um, rate us five stars. Um, and, you know, that helps the pod reach more people. And um, we look forward to talking to you guys next time. Go Nose. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.